Hello, I'm Dodge, and this is the I Found It on Reddit short stories podcast, where I will be reading to you some of my favorite short stories that I find on Reddit. Today, I am going to be reading two stories by Reddit user Peace Sim, but trust me, if I could read more, there would be a lot more. <laughs> and there may be other episodes of Peace Sim's work in the future because he has so much work that's so amazing that it would be hard to just put it all in one episode. And after the stories, I will be joined by Peace Sim for an interview. So stay tuned for that. All right, let's jump right in with the first story. I just won the lottery. I Just Won the Lottery by Peace Sim My 20 years of prayer, piety, and hard work have paid off. I did it! I won the lottery! (laughs) I don't want to brag. It's wrong to brag. (laughs) But I just can't contain my excitement. When I matched the winning number to one of my tickets, I could hardly believe my good fortune. I wiped tears from the eyes of my beloved fiancé. Seth has such an endearing way of showing joy. He chided me about how many tickets I'd gotten. Seth is so silly sometimes. It's like he didn't even want me to win. Who could blame him? I'd be tempted by envy if this happened to him. (laughs) I remember when the lottery registration materials arrived on my 18th birthday. I realized then that I would be contributing towards something wonderful. Since then, the tickets have piled up when I got a new car, textbooks, and clothes, when I needed treatment for a broken collarbone, and particularly when I insisted on attending a private college. Poor Seth. He was born wealthy. So he never experienced the feelings that participating in the lottery gives you. Particularly, the sense of duty of repaying the state for all the good it has done for you. I didn't even have to contact the authorities when I won the prize, as the SWAT van appeared just as Seth was dragging me to his car. We arrived at City Hall, where I posed for a picture. Soon, my image was on the wall next to the portraits of each past month's winner. It was a dream come true. (laughs) After that came the paperwork. (sighs) They sure asked some personal questions. Fortunately, I have nothing to hide. No cheating, no drugs, no sex. The official reviewing the form gave a satisfied nod. He was very impressed. (laughs) I could tell that I was such a good Christian woman. (laughs) A crowd of onlookers cheered as I was led to the chamber. They acted like I was a hero making a sacrifice. I didn't see it that way at all. In no time, I'd be playing a harp with angels, basking in his everlasting love alongside the saints I'd spent my life idolizing. Only, 
when the door opened, what I saw surprised me. It was a large circle formed of red liquid with several sharp triangles inside of it. It was a star. How majestic. I obeyed my instructions by removing my pure white bathrobe and lying down in the middle of the floor. The cloaked figures are chanting something in a foreign language as they pile sticks on top of me. It's odd. I always figured they'd be dressed like Father O'Brien. The black cloaks and goat masks were certainly unexpected. What an odd sense of fashion my town leaders have. I eagerly await the moment when the head priest drips holy water on my face and uses the ceremonial dagger to bring me to the next life. <sighs> the sooner the better. <sighs> it's getting pretty hot in here. <sighs> Lovers Once Again by Peace Sim My foot slips on ice. I stumble, nearly falling before balancing against a glass window. On the other side, a mannequin flaunting a retro outfit gazes vacantly at me. Luckily, my misstep went unnoticed. Brett and Angela are too immersed in their shared affection. They remain oblivious as I continue to follow them down Carey Street. Angela isn't clumsy like I am. The strength of her grip against Brett's hand is calculated and comfortable. He never pulls his hand away and says, Ouch, he's up there, that hurt. <laughs> Not to her. He tosses his empty paper cup and leads her into chop suey books. I enter a moment later. Inside, I position myself in a corner by a fire extinguisher. A tuxedo cat brushes against my leg as I watch them peruse the sci-fi and fantasy section. Brett used to do this with me, back when he loved me, before he threw me out before he found a replacement. They exchange a quick kiss. It makes me yearn for the feel of Brett's lips against mine. The physicality of our bond, how Brett expressed his love for me, is what I miss the most. I know what he and Angela are up to after he closes the shades of his bedroom window around 9.15 p.m. every weeknight and before he opens the shades around 8.40 a.m. every week in morning. It simply can't compare to what he and I once had. Brett brings a book to the checkout counter. She's a 10, isn't she now? Says the clerk through a smirk. Don't talk about her like that, snaps Brett. They complete the sale. The clerk's eyes walk up and down her perfect, gorgeous frame as she steps back outside. At the Bird Theater, Brett buys two tickets to the matinee. I buy one. I wait in the lobby. 
I'd seen how much coffee Brett had been drinking. An hour later, Brett emerges for the men's room. Now's my chance. Brett is a creature of habit. I find her quickly. I scoot through the otherwise empty back row where Angela watches the screen as blankly as the mannequin watched me. Swiftly, I remove the fire extinguisher from inside my winter coat and swing it with all my might. Sparks fly, wires snap, Angela's head disconnects and falls. Her arms jostle protectively. I dodge them. My hand slips down the back of her neck and presses the button three times. Her torso powers down. I stuff Angela's remains under the neighboring seats. Soon, my lover will return, and he shouldn't notice that his old Angela 9.0 has replaced his new Angela 10.0 until the movie ends. They said that my model had defects. Defects like jealousy and clumsiness, that I should be shoved into a trash can while a replacement arrives. But Brett couldn't get rid of me that easily. He returns. I grip his hand. Suspicion flickers. Then fades. I relax. For the next hour, we are lovers once again. <laughs> Today I am being joined by the Reddit user PSIM. PSIM, welcome to the I Found It on Reddit short stories podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm a big fan of this podcast and your channel. And I look forward to talking with you. I don't think you're a bigger fan than I am of your work. Oh, well, that's very nice of you to say. Um, yeah, I've never really had uh, a forum like this before. I haven't been interviewed before, so it's nice to have a chance to talk about some writing that I've done, and I'm glad that uh, it seems to have resonated with you. I've enjoyed the uh, narrations that you've done of two of my stories. I thought they were great. I sent them to a couple friends, mm. and I've followed your channel ever since um, you first asked to narrate one of my stories, like 11 months ago at this point, and I think you do great work. Don't don't have me start crying at the beginning of the interview. <laughs> at least, like, wait till the end of the interview, please. Oh, boy. Thank you so much. Um, I'll try to be less chipper. I'll try, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll try to be less happy. <laughs> I, from what I understand, you just heard a narration of, of one of my horror stories. So it's funny that you're, like, in such a bubbly mood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I never know how people react to these things. Maybe when someone reads one of my stories, they just start laughing, which would have been fine for the last thing I wrote. The last thing I wrote was about an evil vending machine. <sighs> and it was a big hit. And that was nice. But yeah, and it was cool. I was recovering from getting a second uh, dose of a COVID vaccine, which I'm really grateful to have been able to get. And this was during the day after where I was uh, feverish and, and low energy. And I was like, <laughs> I drank a cup of coffee at one point and just said, well, and I try writing something. And, uh, you know, evil vending machine <laughs> is the idea that I got. It turned out pretty well. 1.3K. Yeah. 
Wow, that's a lot of awards, dude. Yeah, and it for me it was nice to get over two hundred subscribers on my subreddit from that, which was a goal that I had of of getting there by the one year mark. I think it's been about eleven months now, and that's what pushed me over. Yeah, even early. How crazy is that to have a goal and then get it early? <laughs> it's it's really nice, you know. You never know. I never know at least um, what kind of result my stories will have yes. or what impact they will or won't have. I, yes. I really haven't figured it out. Um, I mean, sometimes I figure something won't do well because – so like you, I, I wrote a story, the zippers on people's skin are becoming undone, I think mm-hmm. back in February, and I really liked it. And I liked the characters and the concept – and to my surprise, um, from the reactions that I read, mm-hmm. very few people seemed to have caught on to the literal explanation of events for it that was pretty subdued in the backdrop. And based on all of that, I decided several months later, um, this month in May, May of um, 2021 for anyone listening in the future, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> to write a sequel to it. And I wrote a really long, well, long by no sleep standards sequel that continued their story and i expected that to not do much on the no sleep subreddit because it's you know a three month later long sequel you have to read the first one for and the first one did respectably but it didn't do huge i think it had like about 250 votes 213 yeah oh yeah all those factors indicated that you know it wasn't going to get a big audience but i really cared about it and i decided to write it and i'm satisfied with the fact that you know, only a small number of people read it, but I got a lot of personal satisfaction from it, and hopefully those people liked it too. Um, so that's one where I didn't expect it to do a lot, and, and that was fine. Um, and there have been other times where, like, in uh, either January or February, I wrote a story about, like, someone's boyfriend is transforming into the former president, Grover Cleveland. And I <laughs> thought nobody would read that. It was, I mean, it was a joke I basically had with my wife uh, where. I was listening to an audiobook about Grover Cleveland's presidencies and she kept complaining about it. And I was in a lighthearted manner, mm-hmm, but right. she was just like, is this over yet? Like it was kind of <laughs> dull. I mean, this guy spent his life on, on silver trade tariff policies. Um, and I said something like, maybe if I, if we keep listening to it, eventually I'm going to transform into him. And become Grover Cleveland. And then I was like, ah, that'd be a funny story. And I wrote that. And it was a huge hit. It was the second biggest hit I've had on No Sleep. And I absolutely did not expect that. Me neither. So. Just from just from the title alone. I was like. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and it's not even a popular. It's an obscure one. A one, you know, the first one to have two non-consecutive. Yeah. Uh terms but still it's still an obscure yeah. one so i was like yeah that's not gonna what 2.2k <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it was nice um you know like i take a little bit of pride in trying to write things that i feel passionate about or at least yeah. want to write rather than trying to perceive what the trends are and to yes. write something that fits with them exactly I mean, I sound super hipster saying that, but I mean, I do try to do that within reason. And it's, it's nice when something catches on that I, cal- I, I just did as a personal pra- 
passion project, um, which in turn is why, among other reasons, I like your podcast and channel in that I really get the feeling from it that it's coming from a sincere place. You know, I think there's a lot of people in your position who would approach what they were doing by thinking, well, if I narrate or interview a story by a super popular author, you know, maybe then I'll get their following to become my following. Yeah. Therefore, I'm going to go after it from that perspective. But right. um, your stuff really does not come across that way. It comes across as very sincere. Like you like a story, yes. therefore you narrate it and 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 talk to the author. And I think that's great. Absolutely. Like I can't imagine just going for the top rated story. That yeah, when there's so many good ones that have what like ten upvotes, so yeah. many new ones. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> and of of course other people's preference isn't going to be mine. I sure. I at least try to put stories that I think are good even though no one has read it, maybe they need to hear it. Yeah. And, and you've done stuff that actually was popular, which is fine. I mean, there's nothing there's nothing inherently wrong with that. Um you did the one on the tree um Nobody wants to go near me anymore, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, which was great. Um, it wasn't and... at the time. It... Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't popular at the time. That's just, I, yeah, that was um like it had just posted, I think. Oh, And cool. then I, I really liked it, and I, I ran for that one. I see. I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. And that's happened on a few of the stories where, you know, um, typically I start from the new posts and uh short scary stories on reddit and yeah. then um and then work my way up yeah um, I, I try to also browse um usually no sleep but sometimes short scary stories on new rather than on top yeah um i think it'd be great if if, if more people did that and that's not to put down um people who are at the top it's of it's course great. not of course uh, it's great when you when it's successful but mm-hmm. a lot of stuff gets lost it's tough for for new writers you know i realized recently um i found a trick on uh no sleep out of character where you can follow yourself basically because you can you can sign up to get updates if there's a sequel to a story okay and um i signed up to follow myself, which I hadn't done before. And if you do that, it tells you how many people there are. And I think it was like 300 something people would get an update every time I posted to no sleep, um, which I didn't even know. Wow. Um, because they had followed uh, some of the series I'd done before. And I just like, wow, like Aww. that gives me such an advantage over someone new who's starting out. Yeah. And it's, it's too bad. Um, but you know, I'm playing the game to some extent, you know, I am trying to build a following and I am, you know, happy that I have that, um, you know, but it's just a good example also of how somebody arriving brand new has a big uphill battle against the methodology. But, uh, you know, there's, I do find within reason that there's a correlation between how good a story is and, and how many votes it gets. There's lots of exceptions. There's lots and lots and lots of stories that just disappear that are great. But, um, you know, with my own experience, the, the 
I think the second story I wrote um, when I had like no followers at all yeah. um, did quite well. And there's, you know, and, and I think it's because it was good and I don't want to sound too full of myself. <laughs> there's, I'm very self-critical of, yes. about a lot of stuff that I write. Um, but, you know, I think that people just saw that it was a neat story and, and, you know, there's always a chance that that can happen. And I, you know, I encourage people who are struggling or trying to get started just to keep trying. Cause if, if you write stuff that you really believe in, I think it'll catch on eventually. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and even if it doesn't catch on, yeah, it's not even it's not about that. Yes. <laughs> to go back to your to your previous statement, you were like, I I know that this wasn't a popular story. I got maybe two hundred and thirteen upvotes on it, but I still wanted to do a part two anyway. And yeah. it you know it was still something that I needed to do for myself because yeah. I was proud of it. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks. Um, you know. I try to balance that. I, I don't want to be like dishonest in the sense of saying something like, oh, I don't care what other people think. Mm. It, it does It does matter when something connects with someone else. It feels validating. Yes. But um, I think it's also important to not lose sight of the fact that this is an art and it's, it's something that I'm doing because I believe in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I try to always not forget that. I mean, there's there's a random example where um, the No Sleep podcast on its uh, early in the current season had a great story called, I think, The Black Silo. And it was, it was a great adaptation that they aired. Mm. And I went back and I looked it up the author and found they'd posted it to No Sleep. And, and no part had gotten more than 25 votes. They posted it in a couple of different parts. Wow. Um, so from one perspective, it didn't get a lot of votes. But um, it got picked up by the podcast and got like a 50 minute adaptation that was cinematic and awesome. And, wow. you know, it's just an example of how a lot of things need to need to find the right audience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the right venue to really shine in. Absolutely. Yeah. I think uh, once you get to that point where you're like, what do they want to hear? What do they want to see? Right. <laughs> then that like a month or so or whatever what a, an amount of time down the road you keep down that path and you start to break a little bit yeah you kind of feel yeah. like you're ignoring yourself a bit and just not doing the thing that you're passionate about fully i i agree and i mean there's people who are trying to make a living doing this and i i, I get that Shoot. like huh. yeah if you're trying to write as a career you know you might not have the luxury of um of thinking, what am I passionate about? It might be that you have to turn something out. Yes. Um, but this remains a passion project for me. And I try to stay true to that. Um, yeah. Is there an end goal? Like, do you have, <laughs> um, are we thinking too question. far ahead? <laughs> I mean, I've done about what I wanted to do. <laughs> um, I expect my, life responsibilities to start piling up and i want to keep this going i enjoy it i enjoy having ideas and and seeing them come to fruition um honestly i wanted for a while to have something i wrote appear on the no sleep podcast and that happened and that was cool um which one was it um it was three actually um that's a whole that's a whole story (laughs) i could go into um that's up to you well, sure. Um, we'll see. And when you get 
when you talk about the No Sleep podcast, you're I can hear in your voice you light up. Yeah, I think it's wonderful. I'm a big fan of it. I think that it's it's had a central role in maintaining high standards in the horror writing community. Yeah. They reward they pay authors, they have high quality production. The music oh, wow. by, by Brandon Boone is is exceptional. They have great group of voice actors um yeah there's a whole lot there's a whole lot there um i've listened to the show for a while now mm-hmm. and it's been kind of a mainstay as i've gone through a lot of things in my life um my wife and i back when we were uh boyfriend girlfriend and then fiance and um you know, engaged um and all that we were living apart for i guess two years um we went to law school together and we were the same year there and we lived apart after that and we would go visit each other um we lived about four and a half hours apart um pretty much every weekend and i usually visited her um she had a long commute to get home from her job and it it was easier for me to do that Mm -hmm. so i always drove up there um, listening to an old episode of the No Sleep podcast, I was working my way through the later seasons, excuse me, through the earlier seasons. And then um, on Saturday, a new episode would come out, and I would listen to it on the way back on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And it kept me company during all those times, and I, I had a great time listening to it. And after a while, I was like, I should try out uh, submitting something. I should try writing. And, um, but well, to go back a little bit, and I hope this is, this is interesting. Um, I always liked engaging with the material that appeared on the podcast. There's a lot of it. I mean, they, they have these two plus hour episodes that have come out every week for years now. Mm -hmm. And I loved going to this subreddit, uh, the NSP discussion um, where people talk about and kind of review the No Sleep podcast. Um, and I liked to read the comments people left there. Right. And I like to show up and talk about the episodes myself. Mm-hmm. And being there taught me a lot about how to critically, well, it helped engage me and it helped me develop better abilities to talk and write critically about things. It's got to be a fountain of knowledge in that in that section. Yeah, yeah, and the people there are pretty critical. They have a reputation for being really harsh, and there's some drama there. Um, and I liked the show more than they did, so I tended. I've been critical before, but a lot of times I tend to like try to put a lot of work into explaining why I think something deserves praise that appeared on the show. Mm-hmm. Um. And eventually I, I did that for a while and I started to feel better as a writer at kind of understanding how stories worked and at, at what at what functions well in a story and what mm-hmm. doesn't. Mm-hmm. And I tried writing some of my own and submitted it. And I then had like kind of a breakdown and thought, I, I'm terrible at this. My writing must have been awful. And I actually sent them an email and said very politely, um, you know, would you mind? Uh, removing these things I submitted from consideration. Um, mm. I don't think they're, and that's all I said. I was like, well, 
would you please remove the consideration? Thank you. Um, and I kind of forget about them. Um, later on, I start writing again and I start to feel better about it. And I eventually post some stuff to no sleep. Um, and it did pretty well. My first stories did pretty well there. And that mattered in the sense that I started to think maybe I'm actually okay at this. Hmm. Um, and then a while down the line, uh, the no sleep podcast emailed me like 10 months after I submitted it and said, Hey, um, are you sure you want to withdraw these? We reviewed them and we actually want to air them, wow. which was really cool. That's super cool. Yeah. And I, I should add that, um, the way I submitted it didn't include any indication of the fact that I wrote about the show on a subreddit. I doubt they would care, mm-hmm. but I bring that up because otherwise it might look like, I don't know, you know, maybe they thought I'd write well about them or something. Nothing like that happened. Right. Okay. And I was like, okay, sure, sure. You can use them. And it, it turned out great and it was splendid. And I, I loved hearing those stories adapted by the crew who I've been listening to for so long. Oh my God. That's going to be a yeah, dream. So that was yeah. Yeah. It was, it was three stories in season 15. Um, and you asked which ones they were. There's um, one about someone who was uh, a child star. Um, I used to star in a children's television show. Okay. Um, and there was um, Muck, which um, I wrote after traveling to a lot of very rural Southern Virginia and kind of seeing a lot of communities and towns that were ghost towns, basically. Um, and also learning about his, a historical muck dam disaster. I tried to change everything so I wasn't just using this historical event. Because right. uh, I wanted to avoid doing that, but mm-hmm. it was something similar to that. Um, and then another story uh, called A Better Sibling that uh, was the very first thing I had written that I still haven't posted anywhere. But yeah, they all got aired, and I got to see the um, the NSP discussion community kind of sink their teeth into them. Right, right. Uh-oh. Well, see too. I mean, you know, I've been a part of writing critically um, for a while with them, so it's only fair to, <laughs> um, you know, see what they had to do. And, and some people were very critical, and some people were positive. But, you know, what matters is that they were true to, to visions that I had. And right. I think that, it, you know, it was just great having that experience. How do you resist that knee-jerk reaction of posting a story, reading the reviews uh, and the comments or whatever, and not wanting to change it or not wanting to fix the thing that they didn't like about it? Sure. Um, if the thing they didn't like is like, an actual typo or something like i can hit the edit button and, and send them a message saying thanks i fixed it oh okay <laughs> um but if um so when i post something usually i then delete the reddit app from my phone and go to sleep <laughs> <laughs> um i've done that a lot i did that with the grover cleveland story for example oh man and that way, I just, I don't have to worry about it for a bit. <laughs> and when I wake up, I can see if people liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I I wrote what I wanted to write. And to me, that's what matters. Right. It can be, I learned from experience. It can be frustrating to just to watch what happens. For example, I wrote a, a five-part series about a year ago. Mm. And I had it all planned out. And I posted the first part. And I actually kept checking it to see what would happen. And of course, mm. like... 
if you're not familiar on on no sleep, I doubt it's like this. I'm sure it's scary stories, but on no sleep, there's like a downvote brigade. Nobody knows who exactly it is because nobody will own up to it. It might be bots. It might be uh, people who also post it who think their story is going to rise to the top if they downvote everyone else. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, and so I posted it and I had all this whole series planned out. And after an hour, it was at like five votes, and it had like. 66% positive, meaning that a lot of people had downvoted it. Yes. Uh-huh. And I was just like, dang, this whole thing's over. The story's not going to work. It's not going to take off. Mm-hmm. And I was pretty downcast. Um, but then it, it it ended up doing fine. Um, and I, I kept going with the series, and the series kind of got more popular as it went along. I think it got better as it went along. Um, and it all worked out. And that, that was the only thing I've gotten one of these awards and the, the no sleep out of character monthly or yearly awards for i got an honorable mention for that which was cool mm-hmm. um it's because people got really invested in it and it's just an example of how it doesn't pay to like to to just watch the immediate reaction all the time exactly. um the vending machine story i wasn't really invested a lot in it and i i did actually just watch things as they came in mm-hmm. but a lot of times i don't do that and i, I actually find that to be healthy yeah, it might be. <laughs> it's it's definitely got to be healthier than hitting refresh, hitting refresh, hitting <laughs> yeah, checking the comments, hitting refresh. Well, the funny thing is that um, on on no sleep, when somebody comments out of character, or if they comment that their account is new or doesn't have a certain amount of karma, it gets auto deleted or at least it, like disappears, and the mods might come back later and reinstate it if it's not actually out of character or, or if it's a legit comment okay. but a lot of stuff gets deleted and so i screenshot uh feedback that i get on my phone um so that because a lot of times um you know positive or negative comments which i think are are valuable can be yeah. good sources of improving your craft of course only yeah. appear for a minute and then they they disappear, and so this way I can actually kind of keep track of all of that. And that's that's been a strategy I've developed. Oh, um, I should specify I take the screenshot because uh, if I, you know, I re-download the app after a certain period of time, right? And the way it works is that you get a notification on your on the app, and then it disappears a few seconds later. So I take oh. the screenshot before it disappears. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. got it. Yeah. Look at you and your team strats. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. How? Yeah. Well, the first story I read from you was I just won the lottery. Yeah. The reason why I narrated the story was because I enjoyed that she didn't understand what was going on and how, like, just how everything just flew right over her head. I was just like, come on now. <laughs> come on. Yeah. This is going to be fun. How do I play this so that yeah. it's like she's committed to this? And, but, you know, she doesn't realize how much danger she's in. Yeah. No, your performance captured that perspective. You were, you went all in with it. And you even had that fire effect at the end, which mm-hmm. I liked. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I wrote that at just kind of a random writing session after work one day and just thought, you know, someone wins the lottery and is happy about it. But it becomes increasingly clear that they should not be happy about it and just kind of write a story starting from there and see where yes. it goes. Yes. Obviously there's that famous um, story that appeared in the New Yorker called the lottery, um, 
which I don't think is is particularly similar. Um, well, <laughs> it it also involves a lottery you don't want to win because you're going to be sacrificed. So I guess it actually is kind of similar. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I think I did something, <laughs> a different take on a similar concept. And you can find dogmatic, blind fanaticism of course. in a lot of different places. Of course. And this story is about that in a particular context. It's about um, a blind adherence to uh, religious hierarchy. And it's about blind acceptance of economic exploitation. Yeah. And it's about how the narrator is so she's so I'd like to think that I can do a good job. I I try really hard to do a good job writing female characters uh, with that context in mind. Uh, It's kind of funny. The two you narrated of mine have this like this crazy woman who, who refuses to (laughs) see all the obvious signs around her. And then like the other one about like a malfunctioning fembot. (laughs) I just think it's funny. Um, But this lady, like she just doesn't question anything. No. And yeah, and she she goes to her death making a sacrifice in the name of her enemies that only helps her enemies. Mm-hmm. It doesn't benefit her, it doesn't benefit anybody. And she's so deluded and unquestioning that she just goes along with it. It's not difficult to take a message away from that, you know, that it's good to question, it's good to find out what's really going on mm-hmm. when you have uh faith in something that's blind and thoughtless you'll get taken advantage of um you know this is one where i wrote out an explanation in the comments section and i'm glad that i did that i think people liked that you absolutely Um, needed to have that for this story (laughs) yeah um yeah you can hammer away at it on your own i think but this is one where i think that it benefited to to actually just explain it and for people listening who don't see that, I mean, it's essentially about um, a society where you get lottery tickets, um, kind of the more uh, you take away from the society. Um, and if you're from a lower background and you decide to go through education or if you need medical assistance, if you need to have hospital bills paid, you're going to amass a lot of them. And it's also a very uh, religious society, and the more of these, uh, the the more of the resources you take away, the greater your chances of being selected to be sacrificed. Um, and it's portrayed as this this holy religious thing that's this religious good. Um, and she she goes along with all of this, mm-hmm. and you get the feeling throughout the story she's made all sorts of life decisions based upon her acceptance of this status quo. Um, and then at the end, she <laughs> finds herself surrounded by people in, in goat masks in like a satanic star. And she thinks that she still doesn't realize what's happening as she's about to be burned as a satanic sacrifice. And you know, the whole point is that her whole society is being run by the people she thinks of as the enemy, um, as, as Satanists, but she doesn't even realize it and goes to her death not realizing it. Yeah. Um, and I think that it, it, it twists and turns a lot. Uh, I think it's a fun read. Um, kind of keeps you, it keeps changing <laughs> your expectations, or at least that was my hope. 
Um, and I, I really liked the way that you captured it in your narration. You are a am- Thank you. <laughs> I need to learn how to accept compliments. Thank you. You're welcome. I, I read it. And from my understanding of it, I, there was no, I had no idea of the depth of what the story meant until I read your explanation. And then I just, I liked it even more. So yeah, I'm glad you did that. Thanks. Yes. Um, And that was the funny thing about the zippers story that I I think Mm. you just listened to in that (laughs) there was, there is an explanation in it. But um, the the large number of people in Mr. Creeps's audience who listened to it, um, none of them at least wrote that they understood it, but they all really liked it. I mean, literally, I think there was yeah. one person who was like, this is crap, I hate it, but like, uh, which Always. is fine, right. um, you know, it's fine. <laughs> right. um, and it was funny to me that, that people both didn't get it in terms of the literal explanation, yes. but also got it in terms of the metaphorical explanation and, and liked it. I thought that was really neat. Yes. Do you not get how good you are? Or I don't think you get how good you are. You have this amazing, well, don't forget what you're about to say. Actually, no, just say what you're going to say. Say it so you don't forget. Just something humble. I was going to say something like, oh, you're being nice. Thanks. Oh, <laughs> I'm glad you didn't forget that. <laughs> So I'm used to reading a lot of stories where it's uh, very on the surface. Pretty much what you read is what you get. Um, You might be able to figure out what the ending is in the first few sentences or even the title of the story. But when I read your work, you have this uh, insane ability to start someone off in one place and then transition them into a place that is very different, revealing things that just blow your mind. I'm, I, I'm sorry. I'm trying to put this into words, but just imagine an amazed face and a very confused one because I don't know how you do this. (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm glad that you have enjoyed them this much and that you see a lot in them. Mm. I do very deliberately in general, there's exceptions, but I, in general, try to go from a perspective of some layer to the story beyond just a spooky series of events. Yeah, There's a place for that. And, um, you know, sometimes that place is an evil vending machine. <laughs> um, but... Generally, I try to tie the surface level spookiness to something else, some kind of social message, some kind of political commentary, Mm. um, or at least some kind of concept that isn't apparent at first. Yeah. And that's made it a bit difficult to write. I've had trouble brainstorming the last few months, but... I've produced some stuff that I'm really proud of. It's just, it's taken more for me to get there because I don't write it. If all that I've got is a spooky thing that happens, I want there to be something else. Yeah. Do you think that's something that occurred 
because you started posting it to No Sleep and Short Scary Stories, where it's expected for the writer to have something else for it to be a deeper story than just blah, you know, <laughs> ghost. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Short scary stories, they, you know, you generally want to have a twist within, you know, the 500 word limit that right. throws you off. Right. Um, but I, no, I, I wouldn't say that's where it came from. Um, okay. It's probably from growing up watching the Twilight Zone. Probably. I love that show. Oh my God. And I love a lot of things about it, but um, one of them is the way it kind of fuses. It doesn't always do this, but it often fuses the the kind of twist ending short, scary story concept with some kind of commentary. And I I really like that. I like how they succinctly do both of those things. I mean, uh, perhaps the most obvious example uh, or at least an obvious example is the one with uh, the town where everything's getting darker. The sun doesn't come up one day. Um, and I don't know if you've seen this or if you've seen the show or this episode. Okay. Um, yeah. The premise of the episode basically is that the town is about to to hang a criminal and a lot of people are, are coming out uh, basically like it's a, a spectacle to watch it. And they're all excited to watch the hanging and the sun doesn't come up just in this one town, which is of course impossible, but just in this one town, it just stays dark. And as the day goes on, it gets darker and darker and darker. Um, pretty straightforward commentary, you know. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, uh, it's a metaphorical uh, you know, sickness in the town taking the light away. Um, that kind of thing. I think mm-hmm. that's what inspires me. That's that gave me chills, bro. <laughs> yeah. Well, I recommend if if you have access to Netflix, um, that is something you can watch if you're curious. Yeah. Uh, do you remember the title of it? The name of it? Um, I can pull it up in a split second. Twilight Zone Town Gets Darker. <laughs> I Am the Night, Color Me Black. Okay. All right. Twilight Zone? <laughs> heavy. Yeah. It's a heavy one. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Um, I love talking about uh, my stories, and I'm happy to keep doing that. But I want to mention that I've, I've enjoyed your uh, Hello Sunshine series. I think that's really cool. Thank you for um, saying that. <laughs> yeah. I've been having it on uh, my morning playlist. Um, yeah, and just other stuff you do. When you had um, some of the writers you've had on, uh, not Sig Varda was hilarious, I thought. <laughs> um, and then that, like, I normally don't watch other people play games, but I've watched some of your playthroughs. There's the one where you were operating, like, a fast food restaurant. Yes. I thought was really cool. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't have access to a lot of games because I just have a, a MacBook. So a lot of the stuff I can't really try out. And yeah. that is something I would have uh, if I could have on Mac. It looked neat. Would you be a co-pilot on a gameplay with me? I'd like that. However, I would just um, have to make sure I can play it on Mac. No, I would play the game and you would just watch, just like with Natsig Varda. Oh, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, that'd be cool. Um, I'd be happy to do that. I think that'd be fun. Okay. All right. I'm I'm going to hold you to it. So, yeah. all right. Yeah, I understand. Uh, you sound a little skeptical, but uh, I, you know, you 
you know, person on a podcast kind of feels like they're under pressure to say yes. I don't, you know, I don't. <laughs> I actually am interested. I actually think that would be really cool. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I I love that idea of putting horror writers into a place where there's horror. <laughs> yeah. And seeing yeah. how they react. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. It's nice being talked to as a horror writer, you know. Um, hmm. This is something I have like one friend who I occasionally send my stuff to. Aww. And my wife obviously knows that I do this. But like, I generally it's just like, random random in the sense that i don't see them in person like people on on reddit or twitter otherwise um nice to have an actual conversation i i'm the first person who has interviewed you so yeah knowing that you're so excited about it i kind of feel like i want to make sure that this experience is what you're hoping for it to be uh you mean this one now the interview yes this interview yeah yeah, it's great. I'm I'm having a blast. Congratulations on getting married, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that was on uh, September 12th of this year. Of last year. I had one job, September 12th <laughs> of last year. <laughs> For those of you listening in the future, that would be September 12th of 2020. I'm very considerate about future listeners. <laughs> um, and it's been great. Um, honestly, like... Part of where I got ideas from was the stress that accompanied uh, living apart from uh, my fiance at the time. And now that I'm living with her, I'm super happy. She's wonderful. She occasionally edits my stories for me. And um, I'm, I'm doing, I mean, like my emotional health is great for a lot of reasons. And one of them is that kind of the downside is that it's a little less easy for me to get into a downcast mood to like come up with horror ideas, but yes. <laughs> it's something I can live with. Can you just like um, leave for a week or so? Like, are you okay I, mean, I, I prefer to stay. I, oh, I prefer her to stay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's a very literal answer to what you're saying. I know you're just joking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I showed her, um, uh, we watched uh, Scream 2 last night. Mm-hmm. I'm somewhat of a horror movie buff, and I love Scream One and Scream Two. And uh, she had not seen Scream Two before, and we had a great time. It was awesome, and I, I have to brag on her that um, she successfully immediately guessed a culprit. You know, I don't know how familiar you are with the series, but it's always a big deal when they unmask the killer yes. at the end, and you find yeah. out who it is. And she guessed it right. Yeah, immediately upon a particular character's first appearance, she's like, I'll bet that person's the killer. (laughs) (laughs) And she's in law? (laughs) Yeah, I didn't guess this person when I watched it. So I was impressed by that. And I watched it for the first time. Man, make her a judge or a detective or something. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right, give her a high five for me. That's impressive. I will do that. Um, And I was impressed. Um, yeah. Man. So then, okay, so now she's there. You have the love of your life there. Yeah. You're happy. I am, which is great in every sense, except sometimes that gets in the way of coming up with horror (laughs) ideas. That was my next question. So then how do you find your inspiration then? (laughs) Ah, the best way 
to get inspiration, in my opinion, is to live your life, which is, you know, mm-hmm. something not everyone can do. Um, I understand a lot of people have to be cooped up. Not everyone can can freely travel, you know, um, but I just know from experience, I tried writing when I was a freshman in college um, in my free time. Uh, I tried writing fiction and it did not turn out well. And the reason was that I hadn't lived really. I didn't really yes. understand myself and I didn't yes. have a lot to draw from. I actually did, but I didn't understand myself well enough to know that. And like going off, um, I studied in, uh, in Denmark for a semester and trying new things. I mean, trying to a radio show and listening to music and traveling like that really filled my mind with, sources of inspiration and it helped me understand myself and, and that also helped me do what i generally do which is draw from kind of strong experiences in my past a lot of it yeah a lot of it's childhood stuff um you know being being afraid of things when i was a kid uh being tormented by a particular person <laughs> um that's you know there's a reason a lot of my stories have certain relationships in them Mm -hmm. um you know going back to that because it's also like when you're a kid and you're afraid and and everything's different for each person but but for me when i was a kid then i was afraid it was something that was all consuming but i thought i could beat it by crawling under the covers if that makes any sense where it's like yeah like now there's a lot of things to be afraid of in the real world and I know that I can't beat them by hiding in the under the covers, you know, or turning the light on. And so it's it's a kind of it's a different sort of thing that I sometimes crawl back to when I'm writing is like what that fear was like. Um Yeah, a lot of stuff I write about is like it obviously, well maybe not obviously, a lot of it draws heavily from things that I've gone through or like tries to cast things that I've gone through in some creative light. Um, like uh, when I was in, <laughs> I do, I've, I've gotten into some weird stuff in the past, maybe not that weird in the grand scheme of things, but like in like fourth grade, I got a friend of mine obsessed with watching infomercials together <laughs> back in um, maybe like the year 2000. There, you know, these like half hour long, infomercials for like cleaners or or whatnot kitchen gadgets yeah yeah kitchen gadgets um i know now that there's some like late night show i forget what it's called that like kind of does a horror thing in infomercial format but i did not know that at the time (laughs) and i wrote some uh yeah the very first story i wrote um which is one of my favorites is about an evil infomercial and it it was the first thing i posted to no sleep and i only realized at the last second that i had to find a way for someone to actually post the story online in the narrative itself. Mm. Um, you know, mild spoiler, it doesn't end with the narrator being in a place where she can easily type up what happened. Um, and so at the last second, I added this kind of wonky framing device where somebody finds all this written down and then decides to upload it, um, which doesn't really work because it's like a fourth grader. It, it feels like it's written by an adult, not a fourth grader. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can get past that, I think that the actual story with the creepy infomercial is really good. Um, and I was actually able to write a sequel based on the framing device, uh, which I like. It's not very scary, but it, it adds more to the mythos and actually gives a satisfying conclusion to what happens to the narrator from the first one. Um, 
yeah, just, just anyway, my point is just like drawing stuff because like I have these weirdly vivid memories of like staying up late as a kid with my friends watching creepy infomercials in like a half finished basement that was under construction. And I just, it was such a vivid memory. I just kind of wrote a story around that. Um, Where yeah. the infomercial is not scary enough. Like, <laughs> you have, oh my yeah. gosh, in yeah. a basement. <laughs> yeah, it was a creepy basement. And um, yeah, that's, and that's what happens in, in this story is that uh, in this story, the, the, the kid is not friends with the other kid. The other kid is like forced by her parents to invite the narrator over. Um, and they don't get along and the other kid falls asleep and the narrator is just like in this house where they feel they don't belong. There's, there's like a, a socioeconomic part too, where the narrator's from a part, a different part of town that's less well off. And then she's invited reluctantly to stay at this, this rich family's house. And there's this constant theme of her, like feeling like she's being looked upon, like she doesn't belong there. Mm. And the infomercial kind of grows out of that where this like, guy appears in the middle of the night on the tv and he's like selling these crazy products in which he's like maiming people he like shows how good the knife is by like cutting someone up and then like his face like fills up the screen and he starts talking to the girl by by her name and says why don't you be the next volunteer um which yeah and so she's in this house and it's like the story is meant to have this like whole layer of um you know this kind of get out feeling it doesn't have the racial element that get out had it's more mm-hmm. of a socioeconomic thing where it's like mm-hmm. you don't belong here and, and you're going to be taken away uh, and and that's an example of like what i tried to do which is like have there be a spooky horror story and then also have there be that that other element along with it i i never thought of a no sleep post being arranged that way yeah, having being able to use that that requirement that you have to stay in character as uh, a way to enhance the story. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, and I always, it's always interesting to like try to figure out if people pick up on that or care about it. Um, kind of those those second layers to it. Mm-hmm. I've wrote a series that. I had been twiddling with tweet tweaking in my mind for a long time. Um, I wrote a five part series about uh, doomsday bunkers for the super rich, mm-hmm. which was inspired by a New Yorker article that I read, I think in like 2000, I don't know, sometime in the last decade mm-hmm. um, about um, like mostly like Silicon Valley tech people and also like right wing people who make a lot in business yeah. um, spending fortunes on elaborate doomsday bunkers to go to if there's a societal collapse and i spent a long time outlining this story and i finally put it together and and wrote it and unfortunately it looked like some of the ideas that i used um there's this video game that i'd never played before and knew almost nothing about um called bioshock and a bunch of people started accusing me of ripping it off (sighs) which i'm a big fan of constructive criticism i engage in it a lot Mm-hmm. And that was the only time that that kind of irritated me because, like, I literally haven't played the game and it, it it was not something I thought of. And when someone's saying, like, you stole this idea from this thing you haven't played, I'm just like, come on. I don't like that. Um, 
but you know, it's on me to some extent. You know, if if there's a well-known IP out there, it's kind of my responsibility to know what's been done. So you know, I get that, and I'm kind of glad that that some people alerted me to that when I posted part one because I then looked up the plot of Bioshock and I noticed there was there were one or two things that were similar. Um, in particular, I was going to have some twist that like some character was a clone of another character. And apparently that's what's done in the game. And so I had to change that. And I was able to change that. The story is a little wonky as a result. Mm. Um, but yeah. And then there, there was one other time where I, I put um, my story on the No Sleep podcast, Muck, somebody commented like, I think the author just like is ripping off, I think Silent Hill, which I haven't played and I know nothing about. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I don't know. I don't even think that was a close comparison. It's just... Right. <laughs> I'm fine. I I actually really, really value criticism and I encourage people to engage in it. And I've grown a lot because of it. Um, I've learned to like not ever say, unless I have some specific proof, like this author is, is ripping off such and such work. I mean, if I know that they're a fan of it, like maybe, but I probably would use more polite language, but like always just, I I always give people the benefit of the doubt and figure, you know, maybe it's a coincidence that it resembles something now that that's kind of happened to me. How rare is it for there to be an original thought? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, everything's been done before, and from some perspective. Mm-hmm. I wanted to. I don't know how much time I have with you, so just let me know. Sure. Eventually, I'll probably make dinner, but <laughs> whatever works for you. Okay. Well, I'm. I'm not done. I'm having fun. Good. Good. I'm glad. I'm happy to hear that. I um wanted to go back to your previous statement where you were saying how I, you know, I was trying to write horror stories, but I didn't really, or I was trying to write and I, but I didn't really know myself yet. Yeah. Yeah. Prior to going to college, I didn't have a really good sense of my identity and I didn't have much of a sense of self in general. Um, it took me a while to get there and it wasn't until maybe the last five or six years that I think that that's happened. Um, I would just say that. So I was um, very hardworking during say high school, uh, middle school, all that. Um, I was extremely hardworking and that was kind of the direction I was pushed in. And that was where I, what I felt I needed to do to get where I wanted to go. Hmm. And I could not find a way to do that while also really having a social life or having friends. I, I was showed up at college like unsocialized and I, yeah. I didn't even really know how to interact with people, which is, I mean, everyone's got their problems. It's not that deal in the grand scheme of things, but yeah. that yeah. was kind of my thing. And it, it took me a while to really understand myself. Um, as a result. And it was like, I remember like, it was my second semester of my senior year at college that I did this radio show. And it was kind of, and I, and I made this film project with it. I was kind of coming into an identity and like, this is something I feel passionate about. This is something I want to do and I'm going to do it. And that was kind of a self-realization uh, for me at that point. And yeah. And, and so like to, to have a voice, when you write, you have to know what separates your voice from other people's mm-hmm. voices, to be specific. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you have to know what it is about yourself that stands out. And I think that, you know, f- having an, a sense of identity is crucial to writing in a way that is passionate and that really resonates with people. Um, and so just like, you know, knowing where I'm from, knowing my family's background, knowing who I want to be and what I like and what I don't like, um, it took a lot of work to get there. Um, there's another thing too, which I haven't really worked into a story yet. I've thought about trying to do it. And that is that like, I have a really, really hard time in crowds and around loud noises. Yeah. Um, I just, I can't do it. I just, I freak out. Um, mm-hmm. And like, I've lost friends, not deep friends, but as, as this would imply um, is not the case from that before where like, I've tried going to a party and like, I've just like I've just had to get out and go home and leave because I can't be around that many people. I just like I freeze up. Yeah. Um. I've tried going to like uh, you know, a dance club sort of thing, and I'm there mm-hmm. for five minutes, and like I just feel dizzy, and the brain is like circling. I just I just like gotta leave. I have to get out of here, and I just I can't be around large groups. And that was something that uh, that affected me a lot too. There was a lot of like trying to do things that I didn't enjoy and feeling like I wasn't living up to my potential. And like, it's been somewhat of a journey, just like accepting that that's how I am and being okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. You, you try to force yourself into these situations where you're like, I I think this is what a cool person should do. I'm going to try this. (laughs) All right. And uh, let's, you know, of course I'm going to be fine. Like I'm, I'm great at everything. I'm just going to jump in. And then you realize, no. Yeah. Yeah. No. (laughs) Yeah. And that's okay. That's the part of getting to know yourself. Like, okay, yeah, maybe I don't like clubs. Yeah. I mean, it might sound a little trite, I guess. It's not, it's not the biggest thing in the world, but like just, just being okay with myself when I know that I need to be alone is something that it took me a long time to respect. Mm. And there's people who don't respect that, and I needed to cut them out of my life. And it's not just like a club, but like, you know, there's only so long I can spend around people in large numbers. And I just had to come to the point where I could accept that. Yeah. I think a lot of people are going to be able to empathize with you once Leon Lockdown is over. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. It's, it's, um, <laughs> You know, it's been a a, a terrible, terrible uh, experience for a lot of people. But um, speaking just for myself, you know, it's it's I, I've managed okay and social isolation and all that. Um, you know, it's it's hasn't been the worst thing for it to be normalized to be alone more. Yeah. Yeah. I tried uh, going to. I tried going to um, the supermarket um, last mm, a couple of weeks ago for my uh, second COVID shot, and it was so bizarre. Just being around people there. Being around people, it was so weird. Yeah, and not just. For me, but for the other people too, I think. <laughs> like, I'm. Yeah. I have to get used to people also 
not being comfortable with being around people and understanding how we can both be in the same place <laughs> together, even though we both don't want to be here. <laughs> yeah. I, I assume you were successful at obtaining your shot. Yes. Yes. Great. Well, congrats on doing that and getting vaccinated. Taking a bow. Thank you, sir. And to you. Thanks. Did you experience effects similar to what I described? Were you kind of out the next day or did you manage okay? Yeah, I was just tired. It just made me tired. Yeah. Of course, sore arm. But yeah, just tired. I was fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, it could have been could have been uh, a little bit worse. You know, some people have reacted worse. I reacted a bit worse than that. I've heard. I was looking forward to the symptoms, man. I was like, come on, get me bedridden. I want to be away from my computer, please. Yeah, I was fortunate to be able to arrange to have that day off of work. Mm. Uh, yeah. And um, I don't, I assume because you just heard the narration of the Zipper's story that therefore you have not had a chance yet to read the sequel to it. That's true. But the, um, yeah, the very beginning of the sequel to it is, is the, uh, the two characters, uh, Olivia and May, um, having just gotten their shots the previous day, their second vaccines the previous day. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No spoilers piece. <laughs> la 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 la. Yeah. Um, I will not spoil it. I'm proud of it. Um, I, I really hope, Somebody picks it up. Um, I sent it to Mr. Creeps because his audience liked the first one, and I, I hope he narrates the second part. Yeah. But who knows? Who knows? But the second part... No pressure, Mr. Creeps. Yeah, I mean, really. Um, you know, I, I love that he's narrated some of my stories because on No Sleep, because of the in-character bit, you can't really, unless you do the screenshot thing that I try to do, mm-hmm. it's hard to see how people react critically to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or even get engaged with it on a non-literal level. And it's been really cool seeing his audience react to the things that I've written. In particular, that one. Because I, I didn't think they'd like it. And, and they really, really did. Um, and they, they totally got what I was going for with it, which was cool. And that happened recently. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, I wrote a story inspired by sleepovers I, I used to go on. I would like to tell spooky stories in uh, like elementary school. I would usually just narrate. I would say this is what I was doing. I would usually just like narrate what happened in like a Twilight Zone or, or You're Afraid of the Dark episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and people loved it, I think. Um, and I, I, I think I did an all right job with it. And I tried to kind of write a story about that. But this time the monster is real and comes and like attacks them. And, um, you know, when I first wrote that story, I thought it was a failure mainly because nobody reacted to it. Um, well, when I say I thought it was a failure, I mean, I was proud of it, but nobody reacted to it. So I assumed it must not have been one of my best ones. It, it didn't get many votes or anything. It got like 20 votes. And then um, that was a year ago. And then this channel, uh, Lighthouse Horror, asked to narrate it uh, like a week ago. And I gave them permission. And uh, you know, it's got 25,000 views now. And everybody totally got what wow. I was going for. And um, it was so validating. I mean, again, I try to hold true to just write what you believe in. And to some extent, I do that. And to some extent, that's all that matters. Well, just to some extent, that's what matters. But it is also really nice when you see people reacting in the way that was intended, because it makes me think that uh, the story actually worked and, and uh, it actually had the effect I wanted it to. And that's cool. That's a huge point, isn't it? Like you're... <laughs> 
people post their stories to Reddit and they pretty much base everything off of what they get off of Reddit. But there's yeah. people who don't, who, yeah. you know, you got to get it on YouTube narrations or something. <laughs> Maybe they don't like to read. Yeah. Maybe they don't like YouTube and they'd rather hear it on the podcast. So. Yeah. But yeah, you can't, don't just base it on what you see on Reddit. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's important. There's, mm-hmm. there's so much great stuff that goes unnoticed. Yeah. And your podcast does a good job of shining a light on a lot of that. And uh, yeah, that's great. There's another podcast that I, that I love that I think is great. TJ Lee does um, the table read. I don't know if you encountered that. Well, no, no. Yeah. I'm um, really new to podcasts. So yeah, sure, anything sure. you tell me is great. <laughs> yeah. Um, he did the table read and I hope he keeps doing it. He hasn't made a new episode since I think mm-hmm. January of mm-hmm. this year. Um, and all he does is have a long interview with somebody involved with either the no sleep podcast or the no sleep community. And there's another podcast, I think that he's done an interview based on a horror podcast. And he just sits down with like voice actors and writers and and talks to them. And that's great. It's, it's a really good show. Um, it's well-produced. It's got nice music. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and you know, the perspective of it is a perfectly reasonable one, which is like, let's talk to people who are influential on this scene and who are well known. Um, and let's, let's talk to them for a while about what they did so that up and coming writers can, and podcasters can learn um, what they did to be successful and learn more about them. And that's great. And I I like the way that I I find your podcast to kind of have this parallel uh, approach, which is kind of, um, you, know, you do your own thing and you do your narrations. Um, but when you do these interviews, it's it's kind of um, finding people who may or may not have had a big impact and may or may not have a following. Um, and if they do, it may or may not be a really big Exactly. Yeah. Because when I'm on Reddit, I always wonder who the people are behind the posts. More so the ones that kind of get forgotten than the ones that get big. I always wonder who the people are there. And this is kind of like shining light on those people are and i think that's great they need it yeah they do yeah i love talking to writers writers are so freaking awesome (laughs) i love it i'm very glad that you do because (laughs) you keep making these episodes and they're fun (laughs) to listen to i my dream would be to have me the author and if i did um a narration of it if i did it with another person another narrator to have everyone who was involved with the writing of the story and the narration of the story all in one all in one interview all included at the same table but you know of course that's <laughs> well i think that's great um if you're able to do that I mean, yeah. you're kind of doing that now because you narrated my stories and, and I wrote it. And yeah, everyone you did the is right here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. I don't, I don't know. Um, when my stories appeared on the No Sleep podcast, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's not like I got to have a conversation with the people behind it. I could probably arrange that if I asked them. They're, they seem chill. Um, but yeah, it just kind of like, it, it's, so, it's so funny. I mean, you write, you submit a story and then it gets accepted or it doesn't a lot of my stuff 
um, oddly enough, after these these first three that I submitted got rejected, which is fine. It's it's really competitive to get on there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you know, nine ten months later, um, for the No Sleep Podcast, at least it's their timeline. Um, it gets accepted, and then like these professionals, this group of professionals, just go to work. I mean, you've got um, m- multiple voice actors. I think my story is anywhere from like three to seven actors um, who do this for a living, and you've got. Yeah, you have uh, the producers. Um, they've got a couple producers. There's the same guy who did all three of mine. And they've got their, their brilliant composer, Brandon Boone. And and then just like one day in your podcast feed, you've got this like cinematic production of your story. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's it's really cool, I think. Um, yeah, there's some, there's some drama involving the NSP discussion that I like to post in where mm-hmm. we talk about the episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so there's people who are very critical there, basically, just to cut to the chase. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, I've been critical before. Um, although I, I think I'm among the more positive people who write there. There's some people who are very critical, and, and I think that's fine. I totally respect um, that they take the time to write things out. There's been some friction from that. Um, but then there've also been some nice overtures from the people involved in the podcast. Um, you know, occasionally I'm not going to name this person, so bring them into something that they aren't participating in. But there's one writer in particular who really does not like that subreddit and um, has has made that clear. Um, and, you know, it makes sense if if people are being critical, they're going to come across somebody who doesn't like that. Um, you know, and I, I value and respect how they feel about it. I don't agree. I think that uh, engaging in, in thoughtful criticism is is a, a great way to uh, really experience all that the podcast has to offer. I mean, breaking down what the story means, trying to analyze it, I think is doing great service to it. The way of showing that, because like a, a lot of times, I've I've tried to explain like a second layer that I think exists in a story or some theme that I think is striking and yeah. And as an author, I love it when people do that stuff that I write, and I, I try to be, I try to do the same thing. Absolutely, I want yeah. to. Uh, part of me uh, wants to try to do something like that, where you know people can comment on a podcast episode that I've done, um, because I'm still kind of learning. I I did a gaming podcast a while back with a co-host um uh digital relaxation but i'm not familiar with doing a podcast on my own yeah even though there's a guest it's you know i'm still kind of it's it's a different process of doing it on your own um yeah i'm sure it's way more work than people realize oh yeah even even though i am for the most part transferring stories over from my YouTube channel over to the podcast, even though I'm doing that, it's still a lot of work. Yeah. Because people expect a different kind of uh, audio quality from a YouTube video versus a podcast. Yeah. And the YouTube video, some of them, it took them like it, it was done months ago or years ago. So I'm looking back at a narration that I did 
like a year or so ago. And I'm like, gosh, that could have been so much better. That could have sounded so much better. <laughs> well, I think that if you want my opinion, a little bit on that, I think that your um your your voice narrations are are spectacular. I think the way you enunciate and and sound these things out is, is really great. Um, I can go back. I, I double checked some of the older stuff you did before this call, and you can tell that you've like you've made progress in terms of the the sound design. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and that's something where I could imagine it's a hassle to update it. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for noticing. Yeah. Well, congrats on you know hitting and and by a significant amount surpassing the the three hundred YouTube subscribers a little while ago. Thank you so much. Yeah, I hope that you're getting good numbers on the podcast itself. It's getting there. It's getting there. Okay. If you want to talk, I'm happy to talk a little bit about the other story you narrated, if you want, um, or about the zipper story you just listened to, or about Grover Cleveland's presidencies, if you <laughs> want more information about them. <laughs> yes. I, uh, <laughs> there aren't many stories that make me go, oh my God, don't do it as much as your zipper story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there aren't many. And I, I literally, <laughs> when there was, oh gosh, I don't want to, I don't want to give anything away, but when, I can't know. I don't know how to say it without giving the, something away. The denouement of the story, the climax of it, or I don't know. Yes, I'll say that. Wow, let me, have you done this before? Have you like <laughs> <laughs> that was a great way to put it? Um, yes, the denouement of the story, which I just yeah. came with out of nowhere. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a genius. Uh, <laughs> well, I literally jumped back in my chair. Mm. and curled my knees up to my chest and was like, oh my God, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm. A few things about that. Mm. Um, yeah, that was an instance where I had to leave some things vague um, and kind of inexplicable in order to fit with the no sleep rules. Because... It wouldn't really make sense if the story was being posted by someone who mm. is currently being sought by the police for what they yes, did. Yes, yes. Um, they wouldn't casually just upload that to the internet. So that's, I kind of had to work backwards from that. Mm. And that's kind of why there's that email at the end. And exactly what happens there gets explained in the next story. It's, it's actually in the backdrop if you look really closely in the first story. Um, but it gets spelled out in the second one. Okay. Um, you know, that's a story where I was, yeah, the the metaphor just occurred to me um, of zippers and about people trying to manage during a difficult time. Mm. Um, and pro hopefully in a way that resonates with a lot of people. I mean, it doesn't, I think it's very clear that, and, and maybe it's more opaque than I realize, I don't know, because uh, people didn't seem to get the metaphors all that well. Or at least they didn't explain uh, explain that um, in the comments I read, but it's you know showing the burden that people feel during social isolation mm -hmm. and with family members succumbing um, to illness into COVID. Um, it's something that touched a lot of people. Um, it's something that's affected me, uh, family members, 
it's um you know when uh, dealing with that and the story is about you know the 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 main character olivia is just taking on a lot of different responsibilities in helping other people and looking out for other people mm-hmm. and she's and as the story goes on and as she starts to see these zippers she takes it upon herself to sneak in and you know zip back up her housemate's zipper <laughs> and she's she's taking on all these different responsibilities while not really looking out for herself yes. and not really being aware of the fact that her boss is her immediate supervisor is is grooming her and uh, harassing her and kind of setting her up to be abused. And the story is kind of about her coming to terms with that and realizing that she needs to look out for herself. And I wrote her, and I wrote her roommate um, May to I tried to write them as likable and as sympathetic. Um, and it's kind of going through this together. Um, May is her name, at least, is 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 inspired by my favorite character from the video game Night in the Woods, which I love and highly recommend. Um, her cartoon cat one. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, have you played it? No, no. I, I've sure. been trying to avoid spoilers because sure. I want to play it myself. Great. Yeah. Um, I highly recommend it. Um, Sweet. Yeah. Every year I make some kind of list at the end where I rank <laughs> favorite like books, movies, TV shows, albums. Um, and I, I kind of, I, I'm, I keep a list of like every movie I watch, every album I listen to, every video game I play. And like every year I kind of like do something with it. Um, and that was my number one favorite thing from last year. It came out a couple years ago, but yeah. I played it last year. Uh-huh. I, I freaking loved that game. I loved the music from it and the dialogue. Um, so yeah, I highly recommend it. And and it's just the main character's name is May, and I felt like naming a character after her. Um, but back to the super story. Yes. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, so the metaphors are pretty straightforward in that, like, the more burdens people feel and have to deal with and maybe try to hide, the more they become undone Ooh. and the more help they need. Mm. and you know the boss you eventually see that he has a zipper but it's not getting loose and it's because he hasn't been suffering the way that other people have oh. and wow <laughs> yeah and um, and that's what's kind of meant to be symbolized at the end with the cactus is that like she, she cares for it i mean it is just an innocent cactus mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. It, she's kind of come to terms with not going beyond what she needs to do. I mean, it's like she's, she's got, well, she's kind of uh, found a way to deal with what she went through and it's kind of in the past and she's now in control rather than the one who's, who's being controlled. Um, but yeah, I think it was a, a lovely little story. That's amazing. And yeah. And if you liked it, um, I recommend uh, checking out the sequel. I, I have to. I have to. Yeah. The way you explained it was just so. <laughs> okay. I'm I'm going to relegate this to just 17 compliments to you. Just, I'm just going to cut it off at 17 compliments because I'm, I feel like at some point you'll get a little uncomfortable, but. Uh, <laughs> well, 
I didn't see it. I didn't see it from your point of view that you just said. It, mm. I didn't realize with the zipper part on the boss. I didn't realize that. Oh my god. Yeah. I did think that they were likable. I felt like they were real people. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah. That can uh, that can help make up for the fact that you you've narrated the story about the idiot fanatic woman and the malfunctioning <laughs> fembot that you also read a story with two hopefully well-rounded and uh sympathetic uh female protagonists yeah 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 they're not always typecast yeah even though the two the one from uh lovers once again and i just won the lottery even though they were so silly i still I could still empathize mm. with them, like being yeah. excited for something and, you know, and still not getting exactly what you're getting into, but being so excited about it and, <laughs> you know, just running to your demise at some yeah. point and being someone who's jealous of, you know, someone moving on. How how can you not? Yeah. Um, understand what that's like yeah i mean i i think it's legit and it's interesting that you got caught up in what the narrator was going through in the lottery story mm-hmm. i i think of her very negatively mm-hmm. i think of her as uh, an illustration of what's wrong with a lot of people <laughs> um but it, it's interesting i think it's that that you kind of got on board i mean she's you know in a society that that brainwashes people and she got caught up in it and it takes a rare person to kind of overcome that and so you know i could see her kind of as a victim um in the lovers once again story Mm. um yeah i think the narrator there is is a tragic character you know they are literally created at the whims of what people uh, of you know someone who would order i don't know i don't want to judge somebody who would order uh uh, a fembot or something like that i mean it's Mm. not actually a living thing so i don't really think it's an issue to do what you want with it (laughs) um (laughs) you know Mm. if that's what someone's into that's fine but if you if you grant that she has some sentience which is kind of what the story is premised on um then it becomes a little different and then you you see her as someone created based on the male gaze and based upon other people's assumptions of of what she should be and how she should act and she's just created to please someone else and the tragedy is that she gets thrown out and she's you know heartbroken and um i can totally get being being caught up in what she's going through i mean she's yesterday's model in a couple different senses um Oh, and the other interesting thing I feel like bringing up is just that um, for a setting for that story, I decided to use a neighborhood in Richmond, which I visited a couple times. Um, and there's a lot of proper nouns in that story, kind of describing how she's walking down Cary Street. Mm-hmm. She goes into a particular bookstore um, that I've been in, and that bookstore has a, a great <laughs> scruffy um, bookstore cat. Who even makes an appearance in the story? Yeah, Wonton the bookstore cat, who I follow on Instagram. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, cute! Yeah, and she even runs into that cat, which I liked. And then she goes to the Bird Theater at the end, which is a real theater there where a friend of mine from high school worked. 
Um, that same friend of mine uh, worked at a theater in my hometown with me. I, I worked at an independent theater throughout, well, for like a year when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she worked for a different theater in uh, Richmond. And so it's kind of neat working in those details um, and having them pass through that setting. I'm not sure if it added a lot, but I think that I personally just kind of like that that concrete setting that I uh, can picture it occurring in. Um, and yeah, the story itself, it's pretty silly, but it's it's meant to just kind of pull the rug out from under you over and over again. Yeah. Um, got some setups. You know, you see him drinking coffee at the beginning, which, mm-hmm. you know, makes it feel more earned when he has to get up to pee near the end. Yeah. And she is in the bookstore and, and sees the fire extinguisher. And, you know, that helps it pay off later on when she, she uses one to bash the head of a different uh, fembot. Um. Yeah, I think it's a neat little story. I probably would have um, caught on more if I picked a, a name that stood out more. But not every story lends itself to Revenge of the Vending Machine. So <laughs> I should have. I, I thought about calling it something ridiculous, um, which yeah, maybe I should have done. I don't really care. I'm happy that it got the response that it did. Right. But I could have called it something like um, you know, Attack of the Vengeful Fembot. You know, I think mm. that probably would have. Been- Gotten more people's attention, it, <laughs> but it would have given yeah. away the twist. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, there are things that you that I, as a narrator, oh my god, I just called myself a narrator. I got lightheaded. <laughs> um, there are things that you notice as a narrator that you may not notice as uh, someone who just reads a story. Mm. Uh, because as a narrator, you're reading the story over and over again. Maybe you have to do a lot of mm. takes. Um, mm. It wasn't until I started recording the story that I picked up on the coffee and the fire extinguisher <laughs> uh, thing that you had brought up earlier in the story. And I was like, oh, that's <laughs> what she was doing. Yeah. Well, that's great. Um yeah, and that's a perspective that I I forgot. Um, I've I've read things by narrators before describing how, you know, you might think that it's easy or that all you do is is pick it up and read it once, mm-hmm. but there's so much more to it. And I, I probably should have expected that you had already kind of known the story really well because that's what it takes to produce the kind of narration that you produce. Edit it, put it in a video. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. there are some stories that I can recite <laughs> <laughs> like word for word because yeah. I've had to listen to it so many times. Um but that's that's just, you know, that's just yeah. a part of it. You know, the the most important artistic drive is the personal one is is creating the thing you want to create. Mm. But it's also true that it means a lot when other people take something away from it. Yes. Um, and that's what happened there. And that was great. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being awesome. It means a lot. I appreciate you reaching out. I've never really, um, you know, aside from people like very close to me, like friends, family, I've never really, uh, talk to anyone this much about the stuff that I wrote um, by voice Mm -hmm. rather than just postings online. So it was really nice to be able to do that. And I hope that 
I hope that your audience enjoys it whenever you are uh, able to release it. And good luck with the uh, editing process and all that. <laughs> Thank you. This is going to be an easy one compared to ones I've done before. So I see. Yeah, I'm. I'm debating whether I should read more than one of your stories before the interview because already the interview is like two hours. But I'll I'll figure something out. Sure. Even if it has to be a two parter. Um, the most important thing is for you to feel like you've been heard, especially since this is your first interview. Uh, you know, I don't want to sully the waters for any future interviewers. Sure. Well, I appreciate it. Um, I'm aware that stuff goes on behind the scenes when you want to mm. prepare and edit and all that. Yeah. You know, I expect that it'll be fine. You know, I don't think you need to worry about me like hearing it and thinking it misrepresents me or anything. So, okay. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for stopping by and visiting us on the I Found It on Reddit short stories podcast piece, Sam. You're welcome. Um, thank you again for having me. Have a good day. And thank you for joining us on the I Found It on Reddit short stories podcast. I am Dodge, and I will catch you on the next page. <laughs>